KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now with the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. We're now proudly presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. Right now, Iowa State students and faculty are giving their best to make our state and world a safer and healthier place. Your gift to Iowa State can move what matters, from opening doors to a great education and sharing Iowa State's best with the world. Make a gift at movewhatmatters.com. Now, for the latest on all things Cyclones, here's your host, Cyclone Fanatics, Jared Stansberry. Yo, it's another Cyclone Fanatic radio show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. I'm Jared Stansberry. Of course, the Cyclone Fanatic radio show brought to you by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation, presenting sponsors here of the program each and every week on KXNO. Later on in the show, we'll hear from Connor Ferguson and Chris Williams. We're going to talk some uh, Iowa State men's basketball, some uh, Big 12 men's basketball. Connor and I gave our mid-season All-Big 12 teams for the men's basketball side in the Big 12. Uh, so you can look forward to that in segment two. And then in segment three, Chris and Connor break down the Iowa State football schedule that was released earlier this week. Uh, but to lead things off, we're going to uh, hear from Iowa State assistant men's basketball coach Nate Schmidt. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Iowa State's loss to Texas Tech the other day. Some of the things the Cyclones are, are working through uh, from everything that uh, that happened in that game. Obviously surrendering the 23-point lead uh, in the second half and and kind of the fallout of that, how the teams responded, uh, and then look ahead to uh, Saturday's game against Kansas. And we're joined now here on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, presented by the Iowa State University Foundation, uh, by Iowa State Assistant Men's Basketball Coach Nate Schmidt. Coach Schmidt, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing well, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I know it's probably been an interesting week for you guys after uh, after back-to-back losses uh, to Missouri and Texas Tech, obviously you know, the tough one against Texas Tech on Monday night. I'm, I'm interested what's just been, what's the vibe been like around the building since you guys got back from Lubbock and, uh, you know, obviously with a, a difficult loss that, you know, did not go the way you guys would have hoped. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, you know, all of us throughout the entire program, uh, if we could do it over again, we we do a couple of things different uh, throughout the game. Um, but I think for all of us, it's it's looking in the mirror and saying, you know, we can move forward. We can learn from this and, and continue to hold ourselves accountable. Uh, players, coaches, support staff, you know, everyone throughout our program, uh, we fell short of our standard. And, you know, that's our biggest thing is is learning from it and moving forward and, and not letting it happen again. Yeah. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, fans maybe, uh, and this is just the way fans are overreacting, you know, getting really worked up on, on an individual day. And it's just, you know, the game got over and I was kind of sitting there and I'm like, well, it is what it is now. You can't really do anything about it. You know, you just got to go back and get back to work tomorrow. And it's nice that you got four days off now that you can kind of work your way back into it. And it, I imagine having a veteran team probably helps in that, that these guys understand the ups and downs. And it's like who you are on one night is not a representation of who you are as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, no question. That was our biggest thing, you know, after the, after the game in the locker room was, was what, what's our plan moving forward? How are we going to attack the next day? How are we going to get back to doing what we do? Um, and not just dwelling over what had just happened. Obviously it wasn't the result we wanted, but at the same time we learned from it. We had open conversations. We had a great film session. We've had some great rest and recovery, like you mentioned, uh, and we're moving forward from it. And that's, you know, older guys that, you know, they've had some ups, they've had some downs throughout their careers. They know how to bounce back and they know how to just continue on to the next day. What has been the, or what does this team need to do to handle 
some of the full court pressure that you guys have been starting to see. Not that, I mean, you've been seeing it all year, but especially I think, you know, you think about that Missouri game, how they were able to have some success with that. Texas Tech was really able to speed you guys up that way. What do, what do you need to do to be able to handle that better than maybe what the team has to this point? Yeah, I think we got to continue to use all five guys uh, as far as the ball movement, as far as breaking pressure, as far as just being options for each other. I think sometimes in the last two games, uh, we didn't always have, we felt a lot of pressure and we didn't have a lot of options or it felt like we didn't have a lot of options. So I think continuing to use all five guys like we have, and we've had some games where we were pressured and we kept the ball moving and we stayed within our offense and uh, we, we had some great composure. And that's, that's what we got to get back to just simple ball movement, making simple plays, consistently offensively and it feels like one of those things when you get you know like especially in that situation like texas tech i think they had seven live ball turnovers tj said uh this morning and it's like when you start getting those kinds of things you can't get back set your defense you can't create turnovers on your own it's almost like an avalanche isn't it where it's like you kind of just are all of a sudden it's just like it builds up and then you're like man we're really buried right now in what we're trying to do yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And again, Taman, Jaron, those guys have been fantastic for us, you know, running the point, handling the ball. And, and we've done a good job overall, you know, in the big 12, we do see a ton of pressure every single game, whether it's, you know, a zone press, a man press pressure in the half court. And those guys have done a great job of, of keeping our turnovers low and making sure we're getting into our stuff offensively. And, and obviously we didn't do a great job executing that offensively and, and the live ball turnovers hurt you the worst. And it's hard to, you know, our defense is really good when at least we can get a shot up, we can crash the offensive rebounds, and now we can get back and get set at bare minimum. And obviously just giving, you know, it felt like it was just an avalanche of, you know, you turn it over and now it's the end one. You turn it over and now they're going to the free throw line. And, and those are the plays that we got to continue to learn from and make sure they don't happen moving forward. With Taman, I thought that, you know, he played really well for, I felt like, the first 30 minutes of the game. And then there was just a stretch where things kind of got tough for him. But at the same time, you know, the two plays he makes at the end of the game where he draws the charge, he gets the back tap off of a steal. Those are the kind of plays that I feel like kind of display the makeup of that guy where it's like, it doesn't matter that he might've just had a stretch. That's, that's rough. When it comes time to make a play, he's going to go and make it, you know, and it just, that's what continues to impress me about him. But for you, what do you see What's the next step for him? Like, how does he go from being a really good player, being a really good freshman player, a guy that now is on the scouting report that teams are really starting to to pay attention to, to being a guy who can be, you know, a great player. You learn and adjust and grow from where you're at and, and continue to, to develop. Yeah, I think, you know, at his core, he's a winner. And those are the types of plays that you just described. Like, he makes those on a consistent basis. He, we saw it all the time in practice. He's made them huge plays for us in the game. So we have a ton of confidence in him. I think for him, the next step is continuing to just grow as a leader, being more vocal, being more, you know, that that great leader, point guard that, you know, is keeping everyone calm, keeping everyone together, continuing to communicate at a high, high level. And and we have tons of confidence in Taman and he's going to be really good for us. And he's been great for us this year. And, you know, we, we have a lot of trust in him and his ability. And I think for him, it's just continuing to grow and, and continuing to be more vocal and continue to kind of get out of his shell a little bit. You know, he's a kind of off the court. He's a calm, quiet kid and, and he has a great personality. And for him, it's sometimes, you know, just getting out of that shell a little bit and being a better communicator. How difficult is it sometimes when you get a guy like that, that is not necessarily, he's not thinking about himself 
And then you get in scenarios where a team like Texas Tech is going to drop his on-ball defender way into the paint, or they're going to create an extra helper in that sense, and basically dare him to shoot the ball. You know, mm-hmm. how do you hand like how do you kind of work through those things? And then how do you, as a coach, go to him and be like, "Hey, they're not doing this because they're saying like, oh, you stink, like, and that's why they're leaving you open." It's because they're acknowledging you're so good at all these other things that they know they have to figure out kind of a gimmicky way to be able to to stop you. Yeah. And I think Taman's done a great job this year of, of understanding the rhythm shots. And, you know, when those situations are hard, you know, when teams are starting to guard different guys like that, like that's, it's, it's weird for an offensive player to feel that because you're so used to someone either running at you on a closeout or pressuring you or being close to you that when they're so far off, sometimes when you go in your shooting motion, like it doesn't quite feel as natural. And I think Taman's done a great job of recognizing when to shoot it, when to drive it, when to keep his dribble alive, um, but just when to make the right play. And he has a great feel for the game. So our biggest thing is just continuing to make sure he gets the reps from a shooting standpoint and make sure he stays confident. Uh, But I think he's done a great job. It's not like when teams do that, you just see him deck up five or six threes like he's taking the right shots and i think he can continue to be better keeping his dribble alive finding different ways to attack when teams are giving him space and using it to his advantage i know jazz was cleared for for non-contact stuff was uh was out working out with you guys today what was it like just to have him back moving around and, and with the team yeah it's great man he's he's you know he's a big part of our team and obviously his skill and iq is something that you know we're excited to get back on the court and uh hopefully Hopefully he's back out there soon. Yeah. Uh, for going into this game on Saturday against Kansas, uh, you know, one or two plays go a different way in that game down in, down in Lawrence. And you have a very good chance to, to be able to win that one. What are some of the things maybe, you know, that you need to shore up a little bit that it's going into this team again, obviously playing at a really high level pick coming off a big emotional win uh, the other night at home. Yeah, I think our our attack, uh, first offensively, I think we got the ball where we wanted to uh, down at their place. Obviously, finishing at the rim is something we got to continue to focus on and continue to get the ball in the paint uh, and continue to attack their defense in different ways. I think on the other end is making sure they don't, you know, they we limit their transition as best best as possible. You know, they're they're a team that one through four get it and push it and they fly it at you. And um, again, part of it is taking great shots and making sure we're getting good shots, no live ball turnovers, and just making sure we're doing everything from an offensive standpoint to help our defense and get our defense set because they're a team that is can be really explosive off, offensively because of all the different guys that can score it and the different ways they can score it. Awesome. Thank you, coach. Good luck on, uh, on Saturday against Kansas. And we'll talk to you guys again down the road. All right. Appreciate it, man. We'll be back with more cyclone fanatic radio presented by the Iowa state university foundation here on the morning sports station, one Oh six point three KXNO. Hi cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warmy, orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at McFarland clinic. I really enjoy working with athletes of all ages, including the football team here in town. My colleague, Dr. Greenwald and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all ages, including sports injury evaluation, treatment, arthroscopic surgery, stem cells, and other biologics. Come see me in Ames for your sports injury needs and don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. 
Hey guys, it's Williams here for the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. This is not just a standard like, oh, I'm going to endorse the Iowa Clinic. No, this is real. I've gone to the Iowa Clinic now for, well, basically since I moved up here. So we're pushing a decade now. Dr. Nicholson in Ankeny is my go-to guy. But I've also had other stuff, you know, specialists I have to go to, all that stuff. And you know why I need to go see the specialist? Because I'm a man and I go to the doctor because I want to be there for my two little girls. I want to be able to walk them down the aisle. I want to be there to hold their babies and be a grandpa someday. Be a man. Go to the doctor. IowaClinic.com. Tell them that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatic sent you their way. Hey y'all, Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Martin Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out. There's something competing out there. Check out our Cyclone Fanatic friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And, and don't forget about this. So you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowa's Cream Liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company and go Cyclones. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. If you're just joining us and you want to go back and listen to my conversation with Iowa State men's basketball assistant coach Nate Schmidt, you can find that on the podcast page on CycloneFanatic.com. If you're listening live uh, here later this evening or early tomorrow morning, uh, good conversation. I think that people will enjoy that and uh, plenty of discussion about Iowa State coming out of that game. Monday night against Texas Tech and moving on into uh, into Saturday's game against Kansas. We'll bring in Cyclone Fanatic staff writer Connor Ferguson. Uh, Connor, tough one Monday night. Uh, big opportunity for the Cyclones coming up on Saturday. Uh, what do you uh, what do you think what, coming out of that game against Texas Tech Monday night? Yeah, you know it's it's a tough one. Just I can't say it in any different words than you're saying it. I guess, but. When teams are doing that in college basketball, I think we've all watched enough games of like our teams that we're rooting for, the bet you have cheering for, and the other teams going on a run. You know the next shot is going to go in. I mean, so you've got to find 
way to hit a big shot. You got to find a way to grab a big dunk, to force a big turnover, and you got to avoid forcing them yourselves. And unfortunately, Iowa State just did just about everything to make sure that Texas Tech could come back in that game and end up winning. Yeah, Texas Tech was a very desperate team. They are, uh, they were too talented to go 0 and 18, probably. You know, so it's like they were going to get somebody eventually. I think the only thing that was frustrating about that from an Iowa State perspective was the way you blew the lead. Like, if you lose that game in the normal way, you're probably not that mad about it. But the fact that you had the 23 point lead, that's what makes it sting. You know, no, and the, the only positive of it is your next game is you get five days rest and then you play your biggest Big 12 rival at Hilton Coliseum where you haven't lost this year. So I think that's that's always a positive. Some people might view that as a negative, like you're kind of in a downturn right now, but every, everything's an opportunity and to get beaten like that, that can be a wake up call for those guys. It can work in positive ways. You can be pessimistic about it, I, you know, whatever, but there's weird things that go on kind of in sports with momentum and stuff like that. And you can't convince me momentum's not real. No one, no one can convince me of that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. All right, so Sorry, you and I... I ended up tangenting that and going to end on a completely different subject. But yeah, no, I think no, opportunities that you get Kansas next. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, so you and I are going to do our all-Big 12, pre, our mid-season all-Big 12 teams. Every team's played nine games now, uh, and we're going to kind of go through. I, I did a first and second team. I know you did a first and second team, and I think we both have a couple of honorable mention names to throw out there. Let's start with our, our first team. Uh, um, I've got my player of the year to this point. Uh, first. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll say mine first. No, I would say I'll, I'll say mine first. I've got my player of the year first, uh, on the first team. So I'm not like, you know, I'm not saying just the player of the year, but this first team and he would be my player of the year. Marquis Snowell from Kansas state. He's leads the league in scoring in big 12 play leads the league in assists. Uh, he, I think he's, yeah, he leads the league in steals. I mean, he has been the best all around player in the league. He's also second in the league in three point percentage. He makes the most threes in, in, uh, of, in a game, uh, of anybody in the league. He's second in free throw shooting and he's eighth, uh, in field goal percentage. And he's like five foot eight, you know? So he has been an absolutely dominant player. I think that it would be really hard to pick anybody besides him. And I think there's maybe really only one other option, uh, to throw out there for your big 12 player of the year. So he's my first guy. Yeah, my uh, my buddy heel Big 12 player of the year is uh, Mike Miles. Puts the team on his back. And, you know, really I wanted to call the award that I'm giving the buddy heel player of the year award. So I had to pick someone different than uh, Marquise Noel. He also spells his name weird. And as you said, he's 5'8". So those are the negatives of Marquise. But I got both of them on my first team. Isn't Mike, Mike Miles is like six feet tall too. Like Mike Miles isn't a big guy. He's not 5'8". I saw a stat yesterday. I, someone told me a stat yesterday that there's 21 players in college basketball who are five foot eight or shorter. In one, yeah. You would think there'd be more at like some of those smaller schools. Nope, nope. With how many roster spots there are around the country? That's and nice. I, the question I had is how many of those guys, how many of those 21 then actually play, and how many of those guys are the best player on their team? That's what I think has made Marquise Noel. He controls games from the point guard spot despite being 5'8". He's so fast. He's so good with the ball, makes such good decisions, and then he's a knockdown three-pointer. I think I, I'm 
Mike Miles is on my first team, so like I can't knock that. But I think that uh, I think Marquise Noel right now is the Big Twelve Player of the Year. Uh, be a and, great blog if you could give me the list of those twenty-one guys. Man, yeah. If we work for if we work for a number. Well, I think that yeah. I mean, he had looked this up, you know, to actually figure out. I don't know where he got it though, so I would have to be able to figure out where he got it from and all that stuff. Let me get but, through three hundred and fifty team rosters, and I'll get back to you. Uh, the other one that I thought is a prime candidate for big 12 player of the year is Jalen Wilson from Kansas. I think he's the only other guy that you can throw into that. I mean, really throw into that conversation, Mike miles. The one problem that's that Mike miles is going to have now he's banged up. So how much is he going to play in the second half of the year? You know, when's he come back from his knee injury? I think that's part of it too, is just how resilient you are. I think if that guy ends up putting up the same numbers while battling this injury, I think that says a lot more than putting up two more points per game playing healthy yeah and right now jalen wilson averaging 21.6 points he's second in the league in rebounding at eight point uh at eight rebounds per game um seventh in the league in field goal percentage fourth in the league in three-point percentage i mean one of the the best players all around players that you're going to find in the league and then he's one of the leaders in minutes he's second in the league in in minutes i think that he's a no-brainer for first team all big 12 who are your uh other two do you have keontae johnson Yep, Keontae Johnson and Keontae George are my other yep. two. Yep, Keontae same, Johnson. Same exact list. Uh, perfect so far. Keontae Johnson is uh, fourth in the league in scoring. He leads the league in rebounding in Big 12 play. Uh, and then Keontae George is fifth in the league in scoring at 18.7 points per game and is uh, you know one of the better scorers from all three levels of the floor. He's top 10 in, in field goal percentage, uh, one of the leaders in uh, in three-pointers made. Just two guys that can really fill it up and have been able to do a lot of things for their team so far this year. So the only guys that I thought about so that was my top five, and that list was pretty easy to put together. I felt like, but I there were. So I thought there was a not clear drop off, but yeah, a clear break. And like these five are probably the easy no brainers. Um, I did consider two others, and these guys were the first two guys on my second team. The first one, Gabe Kalsher. What he does, you know, obviously scoring the ball, has been scoring the ball at a high level during Big 12 play, 18.1 points per game. He's one of the league's best perimeter defenders. You know, he's one of the guys that – one of the league's best – you know, just leaders and and kind of culture setters. Uh, So he was the guy that I put on there first, and I think that if if things broke his way, there is a a path for for Gabe to probably be a first-team All-Big 12 player. That's fair. I completely agree with you. Um, I hold up, and I didn't put him on my second team, so you can't accuse me of being a homer, though I am wearing a big Bulldog shirt after the big one last night over you and I. But his numbers are really, really middle-of-the-road, grayscale number. I don't know if you would get that reference. It might be something I made up. Um, How many of these voters are going to realize that, and what's the rest of the season going to look like for Gabe? Right. That's the only thing that held me up. I'd probably put him on it if I was making a prediction for what I would vote at the end of the year. Um, and I kind of did this as like what I think people would vote for. But yeah, I didn't I didn't have him on the list. And I'll get to that in a bit. Um, Who's the first person on your second team then? Uh, Grady Dick. Okay. Basically, because I don't think there's any way that that kid has all the shine and he has the star power as a freshman. I wouldn't say he was the first like vote I made. I think he'd slot in as like the 10th player on the second team, mm-hmm. but he has too much of that and will eventually 
hit one of those big shots that's going to go viral around Twitter. He's going to eventually win a game single-handedly for Kansas by the end of the season. He's too good not to. Well, and he's he's going to get the benefit of being a hyped freshman vote. Yes. You know, absolutely. like someone that everybody knows. It's like, well, I'll just throw Grady Dick on here. Like, I know everybody knows him. You know, I have him as the – I actually put him as the last guy on my list too. But I, I crossed off another name and put him on there. I was like, ah. I probably can't include, I probably can't do this without including Grady Dix. So, uh, yeah, I threw him on there. Uh, I've got Marcus Carr from Texas. I did uh, Another guy who's been able to fill it up playing at a high level. I think Texas is going to finish near the top of the league. So you got to get somebody on this team from the Longhorns and he's the obvious candidate, I think. Uh, and then my last two on the second team were the Baylor guys, Flagler and LJ Cryer. Okay. I've got Flagler and then I have Damian Baugh from TCU. Uh, Baugh is... By is, uh, I got to double check this. He's 15th in the league in scoring at 13.2 points per game. Uh, and then he is second in the league in assists and is uh sixth in the league in steals. So another one of those guys that's all around really good player. And then now, I mean, again, like it goes back to with Mike miles, if Mike miles can't play, it's like more, a lot more pressure on, on Damian Ba to be able to get some things done. I feel like, uh, I think he's a guy who could be a, a second team, all big 12 type player. Absolutely. And you didn't do an honorable mention team. I did not, but there are some other names that I'll throw out there as guys that, that I thought about. Uh, Grant Sherfield from Oklahoma. Um, oh, did I not say him? I apologize. He's on my second team. Okay. Sorry, uh, if you were counting at home, you must have been super confused there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've got Grant. I would have put Grant Sherfield. I thought about him. He was one of the ones that I thought about before I put Grady Dick down. Kevin O'Banner from Texas Tech uh, is another one. Um, Caleb Boone from Oklahoma State because there's like, I mean, right now we have 10 players and not a single one of them is a center, you know? So just like, it, it will be interesting to see if they're willing to just put five guards on there when it comes time for that in, in March, you know, like What's your put, opinion on that as a basketball player, I mean, I more, think, way more of a purist than I, I am. I wouldn't care though. No, I I'm fine with that. Like, I think if, if you can put together a list, basically to me, First things first, we got to keep it to five. It has to be kept at five. This is the first team. You put five basketball players on a floor. We don't need six guys. We need seven guys on the first team. Who, who was a, it? There will be a league that puts out. Team? Uh, Someone does their preseason teams with like 10 players on the first team. Well, I was just going to say, there's going to be a league that's going to put out their all big, their all conference team, and they'll have eight people on the first team. Or they'll have like 10 guys make second team, you know, and you sit there and you're like, all right, fellas, I understand that we, we think a lot of people are deserving of these honors, but isn't the point of giving them that it's like exclusive, you know, like you have to really earn this. And if it's someone that you sit there and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm probably all conference, then that probably means they shouldn't be all conference. You know, it's like, this should be the 10 guys that you sit there and you're like, who are the 10 best players in this league or the 10 most important players in this league? That's who should make the team. And that's it, you know, and then you have your honorable mentions that can be whatever. I feel like, and I'm not trying to call them nerds, but there's a faction of people out there that think that like the 10 players on the second team is going to that extra five press releases that those schools send out are going to make a big deal. I promise you in five years, 95% of the fan base will not remember that that guy had all big 12 second team. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, do, I, do you remember specific numbers of selections of Iowa state guys on all big 12 first and second teams. I bet I could name. What was Niang? What did Niang do? 
Are you going to look it up so you can check me? Oh, no. I could. <laughs> Here, I'll look it up. You I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that right now, George Niang was first team all conference in 2016. I bet he was first team all conference in 2015. And then I bet he was second team all conference in 2014. That's my guess. And probably all freshmen is first year. Yeah. That's probably what I guess too. And it's probably what actually happened. So I screwed myself with picking George. I should have picked. He was all right. So 2012, 13, he was, Oh, I forgot. They, they do a third team in, uh, in the big 12. All right. So 12, 13, he was all freshmen, 13, 14. He was third team, 14, 15. He was first team. And then 15, 16, he was first team. So I was close. I was close. Yeah. And I mean, I picked the wrong example for that. Then I, I screwed that up. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's somewhat trivial. Yeah, I mean, obviously it is. He, like, he's it, the it, five and no positions, I think. I yeah, like no one's going to remember the fact that Razier Bolton was third team All Big Twelve in 2020-2021. You know, uh, no one will probably remember that Tyrese Halliburton was second team All Big Twelve in 2019-20. But I think people remember that Mariel Shayok was a first team All Big Twelve player in 2018-19. You know, or like people remember that Monte Morris was a first team All Big Twelve player in 2016-17. Naz Long was second team in in 2016-17. Yeah, absolutely. Deontay Burton was third team that year. Definitely uh, depends on on their role and everything. Um, yeah. My honorable mention, guys. I just had Jaron Holmes, Gabe Kalsher, and Caleb Grill. I think Grill's too good of a, de- a defender and has too good of numbers to leave off that list. At least the honorable mention part. Yeah, Grill would have been on mine. I thought about him. He was another one that I thought about in that last spot. And Holmes is rising to the occasion right now. He's been fantastic. So, but my my whole thing was like, you look at the last two games, how much did those play a factor in this? It would look a lot different, I think, a week ago. Right. Even after Grill had that big game against Tech. Yeah. Um, then the other two, I put uh, Avery Anderson uh, for doing what he does with being scared to shoot threes. That's <laughs> Uh, and then I put Trey Mitchell from West Virginia because I felt bad that they didn't have a player on there. You put Trey Mitchell on there of all people from West Virginia? I mean, I guess he's their leading scorer, isn't he? It, I did just pick their leading scorer. Blind. I was going to say, I would probably, yeah. I mean, I guess if if it's like we have to put someone from their team on there, then like, yeah, it would be probably think just that, Which I think that like, aspect of stuff is dumb too. You know, I kind of did that so I could go on that ramp, but we already got that out of the way. Uh, some other guys that I would throw out there, Emmanuel Miller, uh, from TCU, Davion Harmon from Texas tech, uh, Timmy Allen from Texas. Mm. Serge Jabari rice will be the sixth man of the year in the league. I think, uh, right now the, de- the defensive player, that one will be an interesting one to track because right now Marquise Noel's averaging almost three steals a game, which is probably, probably the kind of thing that would get you that award as a, but it's like, are you going to really give the defensive player of the year award to the guy who might be the league player of the year and might be the smallest player in the entire conference? You know, when you've got guys like Oshun who are averaging 2.1 blocks per game, Caleb Boone's averaging two blocks a game, Daniel Bacho's averaging 2.1 blocks a game. They're going to do three, a four way co big 12 defensive player of the year. I'm, I'm calling this right now. It'll be Daniel Bacho, Oshun, uh, who is the other one I said? Caleb Boone and Marquise Noel. 
Do you mean to say Oshun over Grill? No, for defensive player of the year. Oh, I got what you're saying. Yeah, Oshun. Because it's they because the people who vote for that are just going to look at numbers. Like that's not they're not going to actually do the you know One, deep Noel, dive on it. Did you say Noel's got three or two point three? Averaging almost three. Yeah, he's averaging two point eight steals per game in Big Twelve right. play. I'm on ESPN. It says two point three. Yeah, I've got it sorted by conference only. I'm on the Big 12's website. Real? They do that? Do they judge it just on conference scoring? Yeah. Oh, that's really dumb. You don't play 30 games to come. Well, I mean, no, I'm saying, like, I think that if you're going to do an all Big 12 team, it's like who played the best in the Big 12, you know? That's, yeah, okay. I get what you're saying with that. Like, that's, if, like, is Robert Jones going to be a first, like, a, an honorable mention all Big 12 guy because he averaged whatever 12, 10 points a game against Western Michigan and whoever, he you should, know? He should be for putting UNC in their bag that day. That's fair. He really did. He balled out on Armando Baycott. People forget. He did. That's and that's what like I hang on to that when people are running their mouths all over Twitter on Robert Jones. It's kind of how I felt about him last year. Yeah. It's kind of like why is this guy getting so many minutes and against UNC? Like he played his heart out. Like that was. I mean, I think people too are forgetting that. Like, why is he playing so many so many minutes? Well, maybe because they're missing one of their best front court players. Like I don't know. Someone has to play, <laughs> you know, jazz can yeah. he's got a broken hand. Like somebody has to play. Eventually he'll find something and, and catch some lightning, lightning in the bottle. Um, I think that when they play teams that play the same way they do, Robert Jones can be a perfectly fine player. But when they start playing teams like Kansas state and Texas tech, that can really sped, spread the floor out and really drive you. Like that's when he's going to be in, in trouble. And I mean, even Oshun was in trouble the other night. That's where I think they're going to have to start. Once you get jazz back, you can work through some different combinations, playing four guards, playing him at the five or playing Trey King at the five. And you go small and really spread the floor out and try and drive people, you know, and that's going to be interesting. Cause I know we saw that team at the start of the year, but it's going to feel like, an added bonus at this point but they really they've played one game together you know like they played that western michigan game together that's the only time that this entire team has been together right and that was trey king's first game in two years what's your uh what's your feel on jazz on saturday gun to my head i'd probably say plays not a lot though on a pitch count, you know, give it a shot. Yeah. Give it a shot. See what happens. I think you think yes or no big jazz energy. No checks. No, no big jazz energy when he checks in, but when he does check in, that'll get an an ovation. That'll be a moment. You know, everybody will be very happy to have jazz back. Like that's, I think that I would say played so well in the month of January. When you consider the fact that they did not have jazz, like it, when you told me, or when we found out in late December that he was not going to play for a while, it was like, Oh boy, how do you weather the storm until jazz comes back? And they're six and three in the league, you know, in a disappointing six, like a feels like it should have been seven and two. Yeah. Well, like it probably should have been. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah. It's as crazy as it is, like I was talking to some guys that work in TV and other media members and they're like, they could start like one and six. Yeah. Two and five. I think there was a a scenario that Bohannon and I laid out where they started like, Oh, and five and big up by, you know, it's like, it was completely conceivable. I mean, they played a lot of good teams right there at the very beginning, you know, and then to not have jazz, I mean, that was significant and they, they did a great job of weathering that storm, but I would be, again, I think I would be very surprised if, Jazz did it not at at least at the very least warm up 
and see how he feels before tip off, you know, because I think that that would be a huge boost for them to get him back in that game against Kansas at home, a raucous environment. I mean, it's going to be, that's going to be a heck of a time Saturday morning at Hilton Coliseum. Yeah, I completely agree. I can't wait to uh, get over there. Double header women play at five. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. All right, Connor, we'll hear from you and Chris. Uh, when we come back here after the break, you guys are going to break down some Iowa State football, the Iowa State football schedule that was released earlier this week. Uh, and we'll talk uh, talk plenty more here about the Cyclones on Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation on a Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Eclair, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company and go Cyclones. Gershman Mortgage, the Midwest's premier mortgage lender, is proud to be a part of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home, a vacation home, maybe you're going to upgrade or remodel that existing home, you can even refinance your current mortgage. Gershman Mortgage is here to help. With over 60 years in the mortgage industry, we have security, experience, and unmatched service. Visit our Ankeny office. Call 515-964-5952. Visit Gershman.com to get pre-approved today. Gershman Mortgage, NML. LS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender. It's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to partner with the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. As many business schools across the country are eliminating full-time MBA programs completely or moving them online, the Ivy College of Business is documenting all-time high enrollment for both the MBA and Master of Finance programs. To learn how a master's degree from the Ivy College of Business can boost your career, visit www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. That's www.ivbusiness.iastate.edu. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. Hey guys, it's Williams here for the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. This is not just a standard like, oh, I'm going to endorse the Iowa Clinic. No, this is real. I've gone to the Iowa Clinic now for, well, basically since I moved up here. So we're pushing a decade now. Dr. Nicholson in Ankeny is my go-to guy. But I've also had other stuff, you know, specialists I have to go to, all that stuff. And you know why I need to go see the specialist? Because I'm a man and I go to the doctor because I want to be there for my two little girls. I want to be able to walk them down the aisle. I want to be there to hold 
their babies and be a grandpa someday. Be a man. Go to the doctor. IowaClinic.com. Tell them that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatic sent you their way. Hey guys, it's Williams here from Cyclone Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clyde. They've been a part of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do and in return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town, but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. This is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. This is my 30th year taking care of Iowa State athletes, and I am a proud supporter of the Cyclones. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleague, Dr. Warmy and I, for excellent sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Right now we're going to hand things off to Chris Williams. Earlier this week, him and Connor Ferguson dove into Iowa State's newly released 2023 football schedule, gave some initial thoughts on everything they see on that on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. We're going to hear that conversation right now. Chris Williams here. I am joined by Cyclone Fanatic staff writer Connor Ferguson. As uh, we've been waiting on this schedule, uh, it's actually become like a story within a, score, a story when the damn schedule was going to come out. It is it is out, and I wanted to run through it here via podcast with you all who prefer listening as opposed to reading. Um, I I generally think it's really tough. I, I think that – all right, listen, I don't think there's like some conspiracy theory or anything. I'm just – looking at the schedule and I, I think it's pretty rough Iowa State has to go to Cincinnati and to BYU as far as the new teams go and that's probably about as tough of a draw as you can get I mean Provo's nuts and then Cincinnati's the best program within those four so if it feels like a tough draw for Iowa State for this one year deal um We'll run down it here for you, and then I'll bring Connor in. Of course, Iowa and Northern Iowa, week one and two. At Ohio, week three. Uh, Iowa State will host Oklahoma State on September 23rd in its Big 12 opener, and they'll follow that up with a trip to Norman on September 30th. So that will be the final game uh, in the Iowa State-Oklahoma series, assuming that those teams are out. Um, TCU in Ames on October 7th. Then the October 14th road trip to Cincinnati. Iowa State gets a bye on October 21st. Not a bad time for a bye. I'll add there. At Baylor on October 28th. Kansas comes to town on November 4th. Then the Cyclones on November 11th are at BYU. November 18th, a late November game hosting Texas which if you're going to play Texas, you'd rather get them late in Ames. And then Thanksgiving weekend, Iowa State at Kansas State. I think it's a tough schedule. I, I'm I'm really um, – I, I think it's tough. Connor Ferguson, bring you into this. What, what was your reaction when you saw this? The more, the more I look at it, 
I'd swing your way that it is tough, but I do think there's a lot of question marks just on what the conference looks like next year. Now the two teams are not playing finished eighth and ninth this year, right? Texas Tech and West Virginia. Yeah. So in terms of that, like right now it looks like a really bad draw, but I do like, I think the home slate is killer. I love it. I think, I mean, you got the home opener, but every game besides that one, you have like something pretty big to watch. Yeah, unfortunately, we're viewing this differently because I want wins. <laughs> you're right. It's a good home schedule. I mean, you're, there's no doubt about that. Even you and I, it's like, oh, well, a lot of It's people. the home opener. It's always lit. Yeah. It's the first yeah. chance you get a tailgate. It's always, it's always a big deal. Uh, you get the Cyhawk weekend, Mike Gundy on September. That might be the easiest home game other than you and I. Yeah, honestly, um, like I, do I, love, I don't know what Oklahoma State's going to be next year. Like, we'll we'll find out. I do love, and I should have said this right off the bat, but the first thing that I saw is like Texas on Senior Night in November. Like, that's that's going to be an awesome environment. Yeah, again, you you are you are spot on. This is an entertaining schedule, but it's a it's a difficult schedule, especially when you factor in the BYU and Cincinnati road trips. Like, those are. You really couldn't have gotten a worse draw as far as that goes with because BYU, yeah, I, mean, I don't think I, I, well, I, I hope people understand the difficulty of going to Provo and that's going to be a thing in basketball too. Like Iowa State's really going to get a tough draw when BYU's it's like natural rival or whatever the hell they're calling it because of all those new schools that are coming in, that is by far the most rabid fan base. And yeah, go ahead. I remember uh, when I was a kid in the Edgem BYU game. Yeah, it's brutal. It's absolutely like that. Was, that could be a fun rivalry, though. Yeah. Again, I'm looking for wins here, man. That's all I, I care know. about. I do not give a shit about how entertained you all are. I'm looking for. I'll wins. talk to you about wins in September. Yeah, I, I'm looking for wins here. And <laughs> when you come off of the year Iowa State had. With a bunch of uncertainty, this is tough. I mean, this is a major upgrade in your in your schedule, and that's fine. Like, listen, like this new Big Twelve isn't like it's not like oh, you now you're in some mid major league. Like all the teams they're bringing in are good, but like let's say okay, so you're at BYU and at Cincinnati. Let's flip it and say you could have gotten um, Houston and. UCF at home, which would you have rather had? This is the worst case scenario as far as the new schools goes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Texas and Oklahoma leaving kind of screwed up that rotation because I know originally they were going to try every school was going to play each other in the two-year period. Yeah. And so, like, the two new schools you were going to play, you were supposed to get one home game and one road game, I believe, if the math was shaking out right. But – with them leaving, it screws everything up, and Iowa State gets the really short end of the stick. Tough deal. But, it, you know, if you're good, it it doesn't really matter. I mean, the, the Iowa game is what it always is. That It really doesn't matter what the teams are. You, you kind of know what you're getting into right there. It, it, I'm, I'm kind of like, who knows about Oklahoma right now? Uh, they, they're doing pretty well in the recruiting trail, but – um, TCU is going to be loaded. So Iowa state's an underdog in that game. I think Oklahoma state's a total toss up right now. I don't know. It, it 
part of me feels like this is kind of the beginning of the end of the the Gundy era when you're seeing these guys transfer out. We'll see. We'll see. I think he's got a great, solid program, but I just I don't know how much faith I have. I, I feel like they may have maxed out. We'll find out. Um, you're an underdog at Cincinnati. Although they got the new coach. I mean, you don't really know. So that, that one's more of a toss-up. We're thinking Cincinnati the last five years. And, and this might be, Connor, this is a really important point to make. You, you know, the fact that you get Cincinnati mid-October and BYU mid-November, this is their first year in the league. And how's that transition going for those, there will be a transition. I think they're both good programs. I think they'll both have success in the Big 12. But I also think that, I don't think that you're just going to all of a sudden play a Big 12 schedule and not take any lumps along the way. Yeah, you remember what TCU was like the first year they were at it. Absolutely. And how it took them a while, too. Absolutely. But I do think uh, that revenge game at Cincinnati with uh, Tom Manning, well, I don't so, know if I call it. I know. I'll stop. I'll stop bringing up the fun, the fun, entertaining stuff. That's not. Uh, I don't know. Good for Tom. I'm glad that he got that job. That's a. Perfect, I just popped in my head. That's a perfect spot for for Tom Manning to end up. All right, uh, Connor. Thank you. Um, anything else from you? We got the uh, National Signing Day, like the National Signing Day light coming up on Wednesday. Iowa State got a defensive end, JUCO kid, on Monday night. What was the story behind that? Yeah, he's uh, he's been to Morgan State, and then he went to Hawking College. Uh, dude started out as a safety, moved to linebacker at Morgan State. Then he got to Hawking College, played linebacker for a year. Then he moved to defensive end, plays nine games, had eight and a half sacks. Uh, the first one, I think, came on the first play uh, he had as a defensive end, first play of the game, too. Um, and he told me, like, right then, he's like, yeah, I'm in the right spot. I'm going to have a big year. And so he got a slew of uh, FBS offers, Power 5 offers and all that. Um, chose Iowa State yesterday over Indiana and West Virginia. And from talking to him, he sounds like a great kid. Do you see any anything else that we need to keep an eye on leading up to Wednesday? I don't think so in terms of big surprises. Okay. So perhaps little surprises? What does that mean? Maybe. Basically, just – they're going to sign the kids that they've uh, came in and committed after Got that it. signing period um, and just round out the 2023 class. I think it did drop in the rankings, but I also think tomorrow changes the rankings a lot. It's 51st right now. Mm-hmm. I think that'll go up. I would anticipate. Thanks to Chris and Connor for their contributions to tonight's program uh, there with their, their conversation earlier this week on the Iowa state football schedule and all that uh, they had to break down from that. We will be back next week at the same time same place with more Cyclone Fanatic Radio here in Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.